Why is everyone so fucking stupid? Why aren't more people intelligent like me? I'm so lonely, so lonely, so lonely and sad, real alone. There's no one, just me only, sitting on my rental throne. I work really hard and make up great plans, but nobody listens, no one understands. Seems right, no one takes me seriously. And so, I'm lonely. A bit of lonely. Poor little me. Hello. Hello, everybody out there. Internet land. Other lands. You know. North Korea, if you want. Um, how are you guys doing? Welcome to another episode of the Rojan Kim Cast. It's me, your host, Rojan Kim. Where am I? I'm on the street, walking around, holding a microphone, talking into it like a madman. People giving me a cursory glance, but nothing really impresses them because this is New York City. They don't really care. They've seen it all. So I'm walking up Fifth Avenue. Maybe not the best avenue to be walking out when I'm trying to record a podcast because there's a lot of ambient noise, so please forgive me if that bothers you. There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, I guess I could have recorded someplace quiet like uh, home or I don't know, man, but I was just on the street and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do this podcast. There's got a lot of stuff to talk about and this is a crazy time. It's winter time in New York. I don't know if you can hear the bells. The Salvation Army guy. You know, I don't know if you can hear the panicked shopping of the uh, people running up and down Fifth Avenue. But it's Christmas time. It's unseasonably warm, I feel. I mean, right now it's in the 30s, so I guess that's cold. But I feel like temperatures going up and down. It's a little unpredictable. But maybe that's just because everybody's talking about climate change. Maybe if nobody ever talked about climate change, this would just be the weather. Right? And be like, oh, the weather's weird. I don't really attach some kind of greater significance to it. Anyway, it's Thursday. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. We're almost to the end, guys. You guys in the rat race, we're almost there. It's almost the weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend. That fucking depresses the shit out of me. Oh, God, that's terrible. Is that what everybody's doing? I guess that and slowly dying, right? Every day in the office is another day closer to death and so glad that everybody who works in an office probably wants to be there. Because that's a truth that, uh, wow, way to just bring it down, Rojan. Just, uh, just, there's what, five people listening now? And they're just like, okay, what a great thing to listen to, possibly while I'm at work. Your ramblings about how being at work is slowly killing all of us, body and mind and soul. Well, physically, we're dying from sitting. Uh, that's that's like a new science health fact, right? Like, sitting is really bad for you. And they say, whoever they is, I don't know, you probably heard this on the Rogan podcast, if you're 
a fan of the Rogan podcast. If not, maybe you're a fan of the Rogan Kimcast, and you're hearing it for the first time. You know, sitting is the new smoking. That's what they say. It's bad for you, man. Got to get up. Get up once in a while. Walk around. Look around. Go outside. Stare at something far away. You know, you got to find a cat and bite into it. Taste its hot, metallic, tasting blood. That's well, I, guess, I bet that would be very... Uh, it's a, like a big pick-me-up, I'm sure. Anyway, Thursday. A lot of things happening. Today was the last episode of Serial. Uh, thoroughly, I think ultimately unsatisfying. It was kind of like True Detective, where the this is really where the journey is more important than the destination. You know, and when you r- arrive at the destination, it just becomes only more clear that the reason the journey was so interesting was because because of the mystery. And then when you come to the end of something like this, you know, in True Detective, they solve the mystery somewhat, and it was kind of cliche. My opinion with the ogre guy and all that stuff. You know, it was kind of like a, a movie at that point. didn't seem, this is not the same thing that I was interested in. And then with Serial, of course, it's just like, it's not answered. There's all these new questions. You know, the poor guy, Adnan Syed, has been in prison for 15 years. He's not getting out anytime soon. And maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't. We don't know. And then you just kind of multiply that by millions right millions and millions of people who are in jail potentially you know because they fell victim to a set of circumstances bad cops shoddy legal work you know who knows all kinds of reasons so yeah so that's ending colbert report man colbert report is ending everything that would ever happen Uh, yeah of course i mean of course it has to happen but became such an institution now that's leaving too. That's it. You know, all the good things must come to an end, right? All good things, including the nature of reality, this universe of ours, the third dimension. That's all going to come to an end one day, whether you're alive or not. Either it's going to end because your individual perception of the universe will cease because of your death, or everything will implode or explode or whatever it is they think. And whole reset button will be pushed and we'll start all over anyway so what's the point of talking about a podcast being on a podcast talking about a tv show i don't know i'll move on to a movie now uh so the interview the interview is a movie james franco seth rogan wrote and directed with uh, evan goldberg guys who did super bad you know it's kind of a political comedy thriller about these journalists who go to North Korea to do like a story and then they end up assassinating Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un played by the fantastic Randall Park. If anything, I feel saddest for Randall Park because, you know, I don't know if you've heard, but because of the threats of a hacker group or a cyber terrorist organization called the Guardians of Peace, who allegedly were behind the massive Sony Pictures Entertainment hack that has everybody enthralled because of all the data, info that's coming out about Sony Pictures Entertainment. They threatened terrorist actions if the interview was released. So what happened? A bunch of movie chains decided not to show the movie, and that prompted Sony to pull the movie altogether. Uh, there's ads for this movie everywhere, you know, uh, Seth Rogen and Franco were doing 
the press thing, which they stopped. And uh, because of these threats, maybe, I don't know. But now the interview is a movie, no more, or at least it's not going to be released now. Right? And the ramifications of this are fascinating because it's, it's one of the first times. This is one of the first times I think a movie, studi a movie studio has actually been given notes by an outside party and then they delivered on it. Like, when, did, when has that ever happened, right? When has a movie studio ever had to listen to anybody else but studio executives? And when have notes ever been listened to this fully? Shut it down, they did, right? It's rolled right over, rolled right over like newborn puppies. Now, a lot of people are blaming North Korea. You know, a lot of people are saying, it can't be them. They don't have the technology. They don't have the capability. Other people are saying, yes, they do. They do have the capability. And we have seen malware that is similar to another attack that we've attributed to North Korea. But bottom line, there's no proof. It's going to be really hard to find proof, right? You kind of like assume some things. People can take credit for things, but there's no proof, man. Nobody knows if it's really them or not. But I think this is fascinating from like a like a global perspective, right? Like we are truly in the age of globalism, not just a global economy, but a global culture, right? The, this is not uh, something about an, a single nation state. You know, it's not, not just about North Korea is pissed off at America, and so they did this to America, no. Because think about it. Here we have the interview, which is basically a, a Canadian guy makes an American movie financed by Japanese money about killing a North Korean leader and the shit gets shut down and now the only way we can watch this movie is if the Chinese fucking leak it, right? That's the only way we'll be able to get copies of this shit. The Chinese pirate the movie, which I'm sure they will. And then uh, that's how we'll be able to watch it. Yeah, and that's, that's us right now, right? Torture report comes out. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. Oh, we did, we did what? Torture's okay. We tortured some folks, that's what the president said. Back when Bush was president, that didn't fly. He was like, we absolutely do not torture. The United States does not torture, right? And then Obama's like, eight years later, he's like, yeah, we tortured some folks. <laughs> we, we tortured some folks. Man, I'm a little close to the microphone, I think. Maybe too breathy. I apologize for that. It's a little hard. I'm walking around. I have headphones on so I can hear it, but I'm walking around and uh, you don't care. Anyway. North Korea, how crazy is it? Kim Jong unbelievable, right? Totally Kim Jong unexpected. Kim Jong unprecedented. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, fucking asshole. All right, but seriously, this is crazy. This is if this is true. This is the first time uh, an external threat has forced a movie to not come out in America, right? Freedom of speech gone. I guess it doesn't apply. Does freedom of speech apply when the actors you're talking about are the Japanese, right? The North Koreans, even a guy from Canada. I mean, does he have any right to put America in danger for what he feels is a funny movie? Could be a funny movie. I don't care. Like for me, I, I grew up here in America, so it's all game. It's all free. I, don't, I believe in freedom of expression. If anything, I feel bad for Randall Park. Randall Park played the character of Kim Jong-un 
He didn't. No, he's just a dude trying to get work, man. He's just, and he's funny. Have you seen the Broom Shakalaka infomercial on Adult Swim? Go to YouTube and just type in Broom Shakalaka and you'll see Randall Park killing it. Slaying him. It was hilarious. That dude, he was in Veep. Is that Danny Chung or whatever? That really douchey uh, war hero guy. Fantastic performance, right? This is a fucking amazing actor. Okay, this is an amazing actor, and this was his shot. Unfortunately, the shot that he got was to play Kim Jong-un. You know, not a guy like in the Broom Shakalaka <laughs> infomercial where he's normal. Or even Veep, where he's like a political figure in America, like an American dude, war hero. Uh, anyway, that... I don't know what that means. Does that mean that movies are basically always going to be a little bit more behind the times in TV? You know, TV's always going to be a little bit behind internet, movies. I, you know, what's it going to take for a dude to get cast in a movie, not have to be fucking Kim Jong-un, and then get it canceled because you've actually pissed off Kim Jong-un? That's, uh, <laughs> okay. This is tough, man. It's not easy. It is hard to be... The actor is an Asian-American dude, I'm sure. I mean, it's not easy for anybody, but poor fucking man. I'm sure that's the only thing. He's like, God damn it, can I even, can I use this for my reel? That's what I'd be wondering if I was Randall Park. Like, if I going to create an international incident if I use the part of this for my reel? Is that okay, guys? All right. Yeah, so this whole thing is, is crazy because you got, you know, you got this whole... North Korean political intrigue. You got this Asian, this Japanese, North Korea thing because they don't really like each other. You know. Let me tell you something about the North Koreans and the Japanese. So back in the early 20th century, let's say from 1919 to about 1945, Japan invaded Korea and Manchuria, right immediately above it, like uh, north of it, took it over, created a puppet state called Manchukuo. Right? And basically just took over that shit. You know, so Japanese people ran everything. They colonized it. They were the top. Korean people used as labor in the front lines. Um, you know, and it was uh, after a while they outlawed Korean names, Korean language. Everybody had to change their names, speak Japanese. You know, this was enforced through death. And, uh, and that's what it was like under Japanese occupation. The North Koreans became... Uh, before they became North Koreans, they were communists, uh, helped out by the Russians, trained by the Russians, maybe the Chinese. But what they ended up being uh, were guerrilla fighters, fighters who would actively resist the Japanese occupation uh, through guerrilla tactics. I guess in today's parlance, they would be known as terrorists, right? Just like the American patriots. The American Revolution would have been referred to as terrorists because they were committing violent action against the power that was in establishment, you know, whatever the status quo was. They were using armed tactics to overthrow them and that's that's torture, that's violence. Sorry, not torture. That's a that's what we do. Um so yeah, so the North Koreans became famous in Korea or got uh, clout and power starting out as a guerrilla group trained by the Russians to overthrow the Japanese or at least make life shitty for them, right? So they, they, they did this and that's how they got popular support. 
people supported them. People liked this. People liked the fact that there are these Korean dudes standing up against, standing up to Japanese forces and whatnot. Now, when the U.S. decided to enter the fray toward the end of World War II, both the Russians and the Americans, they landed on the Korean Peninsula. The Russians coming down from the north, the U.S. coming up from the south, and they landed on dividing the country at the 49th parallel, right, to North and South Korea, so that neither one had control, right, neither one had control. So, naturally, the, what became North Korea was populated and run by the guerrilla groups that were trained by the Soviets that got popular support, and, uh, you know, they were, they were put into power there. That's where Kim Il-sung, grandfather of Kim Jong-un, comes from. That's how he became uh, a political leader and all that. Meanwhile, in South, in South Korea, the Americans, they didn't want to hire North Koreans. You know, they didn't want to hire any Soviet-trained uh, people. Why would they want that? You know, that goes against their interests. And they didn't really want to bother training the new South Korean government how to do the thing, you know, train them in Western ways, bureaucracy, all this. Funny thing is, the Japanese, they already knew how to do all that stuff. They had an edge in already establishing the previous bureaucracy, you know, establishing the infrastructure, whatever. So the US was like, you know what, let's just bring those guys back. Let's bring those uh, Koreans that sympathized the Japanese. Let's put them in power, put those guys in power because they know what to do. This won't piss anyone off, I'm sure. And that's what happened. So you have the North Koreans with uh, a bunch of ex-popular guerrilla fighters in place, trained by the Russians. And then you have the Korean, uh, South Korean infrastructure that's filled with Japanese sympathizers. And so that's sort of the backdrop. Now, this spiraled out of control into uh, an extended conflict or police action, as they call it, with the Korean War, 1950-1953. And then sort of furthered the split between the two countries and North Korea became a despotic, dictatorial, totalitarian, totalitarian regime. And South Korea, well, it was, this is a long and sorted past. I'll give you South Korea real fast. It was like, first president was a puppet government. It was overthrown by a popular government, democratically elected president, which my grandpa, by the way, was like the campaign manager for. Eight months later, that guy was deposed by a military coup backed by the United States. Military dictator takes over, starts to industrialize the economy, make things favorable for the US. That goes on for 20 years or so. I think there's another coup. Eventually, at some point, they get democracy in the 90s. They voted, they voted 89, maybe 90 or something. They voted in, now they're a democracy. Okay, so that's what you got. It's like a sordid history, you can't just poking at this thing because it's, it's it's old cold war shit you know from japanese colonialism world war ii the, all this shit it's all intertwined and what we're trying to do is i don't know ignore it i don't really know so there's i'm not in no way defending north korea that's ridiculous i no not doing that but what i am trying to do is figure out how the fuck do we get out of like where what is the end result? What is the end game to all this? Because you got 
they, they they don't have an economy. I mean, they have a standing army, but how much? Yeah, how much firepower do they actually have? Maybe they have nukes. Very possible they have nukes. Maybe they have the missile technology to fire nukes, but they don't. What's that going to get them? They don't. You know, they don't really seem to have resources, oil or anything. I mean, they don't. Food. It, so they're essentially a closed-off country. Why were they closed off? Well, maybe because they were part of the communist bloc, right? And they still haven't accepted capitalism like their other communist bros did, right? Like they're like rolling in it now. I don't know what, why they're not. No, Koreans are stubborn. Koreans are stubborn. That's really the bottom line. And maybe that's just it. That's just all it is. It's some weird stubbornness. You know, it's pride. Stubbornness. That's what Marcellus Wallace said, right? It's pride fucking with you. Like, you don't, you don't want to get stuck, you know, fucking holding out like a dinosaur because you're goddamn proud of, uh, you know, you're not going to look like a bitch, not back down. That said, if North Korea is behind the hack, whoa, right? Who's the bitch now? That's, I guess Japan really is. But seriously, it makes everybody look bad. Makes them look great. Uh, not great in an objective sense, but just saying, if you had an interest in embarrassing America and Japan, well, that was pretty good. Did a pretty good job there, right? That's some Joker-level shit, right? That means our Batman is some 15-year-old autistic kid in a basement who speaks computer language as if it's English, right? And will probably never get laid until he's like 40. Um, or if he gets rich or something, <laughs> right? That's really what it goes. That's our hero. We need you. Where are you? Right? If anything, I feel like this is all a big wake-up call to everybody. It's like, you got to secure your shit. Secure your shit. Like, you're not going to leave... Let's say you had some valuables, you know. Let's not say they're uh, emails or digital. It's, it's, let's say it's not digital. Let's say, just say you have papers, very important documents that have important information on it, your social, your bank records, whatever, birth certificate. Let's say you ha have this shit. Wait, did you just throw it into a, a pile in your car or anybody could see it? And then, and then they smash in and grab it. And then, of course, they're at fault. They're the criminals. But at the same time, isn't it wise to uh, practice security? Isn't it wise to just sort of make sure your shit's under lock? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of uh, back and forth on Facebook about you know the supposed morality or immorality of looking at these things. You know, nobody's arguing that it was bad to steal the stuff and put it out. But once it's out, do we um, not have a right to look at it? You know, all those emails, all those leaked things, leaked information, WikiLeaks shit. Is that, is it no longer part of the public? I mean, all of this is the interplay between the control of information and the central tenet that a lot of people believe that all information should be free. It should never be restricted. That it's used to help corrupt those in power, to keep them in power, to hide things from the public, from public interest, all that stuff. Isn't it better for everything just to be known? I don't know. I mean, if you apply that to yourself, do you want all of your information to be public, to be out, to be known? I mean, it's different because you're not a government or a company, but still, does that standard still apply? Do, do, do these human standards apply to entities? Um, I don't fucking know, man. I mean, I just know that I don't feel bad 
<laughs> I mean, should I? Why should I? I don't like this making me feel bad for looking at stuff, for, whether it's news, it's coming out, right? I shouldn't look at it. That's stupid, right? That's just kind of like um, annoying. It's kind of like you're like being all holier than thou. I won't look at it. You know, like I won't look at porn. I won't look at. Just fuck you. Just look at it. Okay, you're not doing. It's out there now. That's the thing. It's out there. The game is different. It's changed. It's no longer what you think it is, right? It's no longer that. It's no longer chivalry is dead. It's this is the modern era. This is the information age. You just gotta adapt, man. You just gotta go with it. Telling people to not look at things is not adaptation. It's not uh, learning to roll with it. It's not uh, embrace the shit. It's like fucking pirating BitTorrent, right? Like Napster. Like what a uh, uh, an opportunity there was for the music industry to embrace this new delivery method that Napster represented. But what did they do? They wanted to go shut that shit down. They spent all their money trying to shut it down. And then what happens? Years later, the iTunes store comes out with a similar model, just huge pay a dollar, right? And now they dominate, right? Missed opportunity. Same shit with the internet. Same shit with all this cryptocurrency, all marijuana. Seriously, same thing with marijuana. Any of you out there with money to invest, if you're on the ground floor, what's hot right now? Marijuana, cryptocurrency. Get in on that shit, it's ground floor shit. It's game changers. Whole shit's gonna change, okay? Netflix. Nobody thought that they'd be putting out their own shows, not just one, but like shitloads, right? Whole seasons, winning Emmys and shit. Nobody thought that, right? Nobody knows anything. Nobody can predict anything, and nobody is a too absolute a statement. But all I'm saying is that you can't, you can't, you can't survive anymore without adapting, right? Used to be able to hold on. Hold on to some of the old guard stuff, right? I, I still, I still use my calculator or my slide rule to make calculations. I'm not going to use those newfangled things. You just, you're just the old guy screaming at people to get off his lawn. Get off my lawn, you kids, right? I remember the days of lamp lighting and horse-drawn carriages. Yeah, that's just okay. Okay, Grandpa. Jesus Christ. All right, well, so, all right, yeah, I'm not Bill Burr. I, I, I don't want to, I could ramble on for hours, but is it any good? I don't know. Merry Christmas. Um, so I'm here, Fifth Avenue, 57th Street, right outside the Tiffany & Company store, where I am going to pick up my girlfriend, Ramey, a present. Not anything like jewelry, because I'm broke. Despite the fact that I have a job, I'm broke. I'm not... That's fucking student loans. All right. Anyway, I got her a nice pen, like a nice pen, because you know she's a writer. Okay, whatever. All right, get off my back. All right. Anyway, so guys, this has been one of those episodes where I don't have a guest. I know. Like, what's happening? I don't want to just listen to you. Yeah, I might lose some listeners, but I figured maybe it's just better than not putting out anything at all. I have a couple in the books, but I just haven't been fucking real busy work and I had a bunch of shows and you don't want to hear this you don't want to hear this look I just want to communicate to the people who listen I appreciate it so much um, speaking of my shows and what I've been up to um, why don't you go ahead and just follow me on Twitter 
R-O-G-I-N-K-I-M, at Rojan Kim. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, why not check out one of my comedy shows? I have a monthly comedy show at Auto Shrunken Head. First Monday of every month. Next one's on January 5th, 9 p.m. That's on 14th Street and Avenue B in the East Village. I have another show that I just started with my buddies, Caleb Barge, Joe Newman, both former podcast guests, great comedians. We have a show out in Greenpoint called the Get to the Point Comedy Show at Red Star. It's a bar. Red Star. 37 Greenpoint Avenue. First and third Tuesday of every month. Yeah, that's easy to remember, I'm sure. It's like a mnemonic device. The next one is on 1-6. That's Tuesday. Come on down. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Check me out. RojanKim.com. I mean, you already must be listening to this somehow. But I really am appreciative that if you're still here. I mean, I started this thing in the summer. I had uh, no aspirations, really, of what it would be. Just me rambling. And then I started getting guests. This is really easy in the summer. But now it's... Uh, cold so i gotta figure out an indoor solution probably my house or their house or whatever i promise you though i got some guests lined up i got always stupid shit i gotta get off my chest and this helps me stay sane so i appreciate it all right guys this has been erosion kimcast episode 17 i think it's 17 episode 17 um, maybe I'll call it Kim Jong Unprecedented or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, thanks guys for listening and um, let's keep in touch. That, what? That's it. That's silly. Why would I say let's keep? Well, whatever. Hey, you want to uh, hit me up on Twitter at Roger Kim. DM me. Whatever. Alright guys. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Goodbye. America. America. Yeah.